and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, it's Ari Mizell. Welcome to the Less Doing, More Living podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little-known, extremely painful, and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road of radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing, more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people. And over time, I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the Less Doing, More Living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL lessdoinglive.com. Or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now, enjoy today's podcast. And if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 135 of Less Doing Podcast. Good morning, Felix. Hey, morning. How's it going? It's going well. I'm really excited about today's interview, actually, because uh, it was with a mastermind member, Ryan Rouse, who, honestly, it, he he makes the fir- what I can say, in my opinion, is the first packaged food. It's it's freshly made, but packaged and then shipped out. The, the first one that I've ever had that I think is really satisfying, filling, uh, delicious, and nutritious. So uh, it was a really good interview, and People are going to have an opportunity, actually, to try out Ryan's food if they come to the Less Doing Live event in May, because we're going to have a whole bunch of it there. So okay, great. Yeah, um, I have just got a whole <clears throat> pause. You one second, Larry. Um, can you um, can you tell me which mic are you using? First of all, my my good one. Your good one. Okay. Can you turn down the the level just a little bit on it? How's that? Um, yeah, it's just that it's it's, cra- it's distorting. No, no, it sound, that sounds good. Okay, that sounds good. You just need there. You, you just uh, it was just distorting just a tiny bit. That's all. Okay, and also I can hear yeah. you typing a lot. Oh, you can really? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear this? Yes. Does that really? Yeah. Um. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Because uh, it's not going to be used. Okay. You're not going to hear that in the interview. No. Okay. No, that's fine. So should we keep going? Well, thanks for thanks for telling me. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's, let's crack on. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So so before we get to the interview with Ryan, I got a, a few links I want to share with you today, Felix. Um, so the, okay. the, the first one is I really recently got into this new podcast called uh, Partially Derivative. 
And it's it's fantastic. It's my new favorite podcast. It's these two guys who have a blog called Partially, Deliver- Partially Derivative, and they're both data scientists, and they basically crack open mm-hmm. a beer, and then they record a podcast talking about that week's top blog posts. And you know how like I get geeky about data, so like this stuff is is really really cool what they come up with. And one like one of the things that they shared last week was <laughs> actually. You, you, you'll probably like this too. Has uh, Julian gotten into Where's Waldo at all? Or you're on Where's Waldo book? Um, not in a while, actually. Okay. <coughs> so, yeah, so, not, not for, yeah. So some geeky data father probably took a look at all the Where's Waldo's books and found an algorithm for the most efficient way to find Waldo. Oh, no way. That's brilliant. So basically, and, and it's interesting <coughs> because, <coughs> you know, it's supposed to be random but but apparently, I mean, well, actually, I think I knew this, but humans cannot actually create randomness. Like, we're always going to have some propensity to repetition or something, so it's, it's almost impossible for us to genuinely create randomness. And there is not randomness to Where's Waldo. So basically, if you want to find Where's Waldo as quickly as possible, start in the lower left corner of the, of the, the left page, oh, scan, yeah. scan diagonally up to the right corner of the other page, and then straight down. And that is the most really? likely, and that is the most likely way to find Waldo. That's brilliant. So it is yeah. very difficult, but it's a good. Yeah, it's a great exercise. I really like those. Yeah, I mean, we would yeah. actually. No, actually, no. I haven't used Where's Waldo, but we would use the Richard Scarry ones, and then we would test yeah, them and right. say, you know, find a a dog in a blue car. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was really cool. But something else that I got from these guys was. Uh, so this guy Justin Long, who's a programmer, basically figured out a way to no, and that's what I thought when I heard it actually. Mm. Basically <laughs> figured out a way to automate Tinder. So now I know that you know. Now, now what is are... Tinder? I was looking at this the, this link. What, what is is it a is a dating thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this shows how long Felix and I have been out of the dating pool. Yes, uh, I've never used a dating website, and yes, Tinder is a dating app, and it, it's very basic in that like. I, and I haven't actually used it, but I've seen it. You, you take a pic, or you see the person's picture and like their name, and I think like one line about them or their description, and you swipe left if you think they're hot, and you swipe right if you don't. And so basically, you you can go through like twenty people really quickly, and then you know if you if somebody else that if somebody you think is hot also thinks that you're hot, then it will like connect you, and you can possibly meet up and go dates. Yeah. And and it's. Surprisingly, it's, it's so so. I love it. It's so genuine. You know, really getting people's hearts That's and minds. Right, together. exactly. Really getting to the the, the, the depth. Uh, so, <laughs> but this guy actually created a way to automate Tinder. So, if you're if you're a computer geek, then you'll know what Eigenfaces is. But if you're not, um, Eigenfaces is basically it's just a computer uh, protocol, basically for identifying facial models so basically it can it, 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 i think it's one of the ways that like the fbi and you know special uh like secret agents not secret sorry <laughs> fbi and like uh, intelligence services use computers to identify bases of people in airports for instance but what this will do oh, okay yeah. is basically the way he set it up is that you use tinder and you swipe left you swipe right and the computer recognizes the faces that you have found to be attractive and it can create an average model representing what you think is attractive. So then from then on, it can automate the swiping for you. So 
So that's pretty amazing. So basically, you have to do you have to make sixty yes no choices, and then it has an update to start doing it on your behalf. And as soon as you do that, it is on complete autopilot. So what happens then is that it will start swiping left and right for you, and it will do this ad nauseum. And then, if somebody matches up with you, so they swipe left on you, it will then send them a message, and it's using machine learning. Okay, so it starts a conversation, and basically wow. says, you know, says like, hey, <coughs> whatever, whatever you want. So it's like maximum productivity for your dating. Oh my god, you have no idea. Wait, yeah. this keeps going. So it sends a conversation starter, and mm-hmm. then if the person replies, and the robot, the bot, actually identifies it as a positive response, it will mm-hmm. send it will send them another message, and then if you get a second what it believes to be a positive reply, then it will no- <laughs> notify you, the user, that you should actually pursue this and the, 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 and the, the guy went on like 20 he went on 10 dates this way and he's dating someone currently that he met this way well i'm sure they'll be so happy to hear that the first romantic message came from a computer in their relationship but that's brilliant that's it's hilarious. i mean you're totally right but it's, also, it's pretty amazing right yeah yeah i mean you can put um, data to anything I, I i must confess i did have some good fun I used to love that that uh, website. Are you hot or not? Or am yeah, I hot, hot or not? Of course, hot or not. That was so funny. Yeah. I mean, we put Facebook started. So. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what Mark Zuckerberg was doing first. Basically, it was creating a hot or not. Yes. Well, it was it was a bit more. Bit, well, at least in the, according to the movie, it was a bit harsher than that. Yeah. <laughs> but well. um, the fun thing about anyway, whatever, we shouldn't go on with this. Let's um, let's, <laughs> let's go to the next. <laughs> so um, the next yeah. one is uh, so I've uh, this is something that I'm not. I don't have a big use case for, but I, I mean, well, I, I know what the use case is. I don't personally have a huge use case for it, but I really like it. It's called Wicker, and it is a top secret messenger app. So it's an app for the iPhone, oh, Android, yes. yeah, and. It's not Snapchat. It's not WhatsApp. This is supposedly a legitimately secure messaging app. Okay, so you can yeah. you can send pictures, videos, audio files, documents, just like with you know any other chat service. But it's you can put its expiration date onto anything you put in there. It's completely anonymous if you wanted to. It it scrubs your messages of any geolocation or any identifying information that you send, and yeah. uh, it it also it has a shredder built into a thing so it can clean your device of any deleted files. Like it's, it looks to be a legitimate, like secure way of communicating with somebody. Now, whether or not you're just paranoid and that's why you want to use this, or you have a real need to do this because you Mm. are doing something illicit, that's up to you. But, uh, or maybe it's just being created by spies for spies. Maybe perhaps, but it's, uh, it's pretty good. So, that's one thing. Um, the next one is uh, the Scanadu. Now, I, I've talked about, I think we talked about the Scanadu a very, very long time ago because this is one of those, you know, uh, crowdfunding campaigns. It's not, in, it's not on Indiegogo anymore. It was. And it's, okay. it's one of the ones, the many ones that just take like, you know, years sometimes to create. This is okay. basically, for people familiar with Star Trek, this is essentially looking to be like the tricorder, the medical tricorder. So it's a little device like the size of a hockey puck. And you use it, you can scan somebody's, uh, I think their forehead, and it will get their temperature, their blood pressure, their heart rate, oximetry, which we've talked about, pulse oximetry, yeah, ECG, yeah. so you have like heart rate functionality, 
heart rate variability, which we've also talked about, uh, stress monitor or stress test, and it'll also do urinary analysis now with these special strips that they've created. Wow. So urinary, doing urine tests at home is not a new thing, but the ones, the, the one that they have created is very advanced. And uh, it's, wow. it's, it's pretty cool. So that basically that combined with a scanner device, you can get a pretty good snapshot of somebody's overall uh, state of well-being, basically, in any given time. Really cool yeah, device. Right. And now, do you know how much that is? I was wondering. No idea. I don't. Um, I, rem- I, 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 it wasn't anything crazy. I remember <coughs> when the Indigo came out. Let me actually see if yeah. I can. Uh, I like the fact that someone's created one of these devices, which is not like a wearable thing for once. It's just like a, you know, it's like a thermometer. Right, thing. as needed. And I think that's very. T- I think that's good. That's mm. a that's a good point. Um, so when the Indiegogo campaign was on, it was two hundred and sixty nine dollars. So it's oh, not, okay. that's not ridiculous. I, I, I don't think. No, no, it's all. not ridiculous at all. No, I mean, it claims to do an incredible amount of stuff. It's like you know, well, one doctor's visit in this country. Right. <laughs> Um, okay, so the uh, the next thing is this is this is a little bit niche, but I think it's a really important service. Um, it's called Pulse Point, Pulse Point Respond, and this, I, I think that there have been attempts to do this before, but basically, okay. it, what it is is it, you register with the app as somebody who knows how to do CPR. Okay. Yeah. And then. Somebody else, so somebody has some sort of crisis, they use the app to identify, or, or I, I guess law enforcement basically. So anybody who's using the app and has identified themselves as a provider of CPR, this will notify you uh, to, the, to like the need that's near you. So if somebody's like at a mall and they have this, they have, you know, they go into cardiac arrest, this will notify all the people in the immediate area that have identified themselves as CPR providers. And they can respond yeah. quickly. And it's it's a really big thing. <clears throat> Having worked as an EMT, I know that you know seconds count when you can get somebody started on a CPR protocol right away. Their chances of survival go way up. So this is an amazing thing. And CPR is really easy. You know, I, it, it's something that can be taught in about two minutes to do. Yeah. Even it, yeah. especially if you're doing compression only CPR, where you're not doing any breaths, which has been shown to be like almost as effective basically as doing it with the breath. So, and the other thing to point out to people is that CPR is not going to restart a heart. If somebody is having a heart attack or somebody, sorry, is going through cardiac arrest and their heart has stopped and they are not breathing, they have no pulse, CPR will not restart their heart. But what it, it's, well, it, that's for sure. Or oh yeah. It's no, highly it's, unlikely. It's, no, no, no. It's not going to restart a heart. What CPR is doing oh. is you are buying time until somebody gets there with an, a defibrillator device basically that can actually restart yeah. the heart. Or that they can get them to a hospital. I mean, you'll you see, yeah. it doesn't happen a lot, but you'll see people doing CPR. So it's not like in the movies. Well, I mean, the movies, well, no. So doing chest compression on somebody and doing rescue breathing is not going to restart their heart. It just doesn't work that way. Basically, yeah. what you're doing is keeping mm. them alive until the proper equipment can get there. <coughs> mm. So yeah, yeah, right, right. It's a very, very important skill that I think more and more people should have, and this is a great way to get people yeah, with I that skill where they're needed. Such a clever. It's such a great use of um, of uh, you know telephone you know cell phone technology. Yeah, so simple. And the crowd, so simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could you could do this you know as a as like a sort of you know just purely based on text messages if you. you know, but uh, 
the, the app is, is, uh, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the next one is, uh, there, it's an extension for Dropbox and, or, and for Chrome rather. This mm. is, I think the first time Dropbox has come out with their own official, uh, extension for, for Gmail, but basically it's called Dropbox for Gmail and it's made by Dropbox. And what it does Everyone knows how much I love Dropbox and Gmail. What this does I mean, is basically, yes, <laughs> you can add files directly to <coughs> Gmail with without having to actually go to Dropbox data link or anything. So within Gmail, you can pull up and add in any links, shared links to any file in your Dropbox that you want. So it, it makes it just a lot more quicker and a lot in, more inline. You don't have to download, upload, yeah, move this, around. <coughs> essentially, in my opinion, this is how it should have been from the beginning yeah. in terms of file sharing. I agree. And um, and finally, they've done this. Now, the and the new um, Apple operating system, I think it's either in Mavericks or in Yosemite, um, claims to be able to do this as well, um, just using mail. So basically, you, you attach a file, and actually it won't... Um, actually, it's not quite the same. That's not quite the same. Um, this, is, this is one step ahead, because... You know, it's not up. It, it's not uploading something because it's already uploaded. It just and the person on the other end receives a link to the file, and um, it's just really, really simple to do. I like it. Yeah. Now, so it's it's really nice, and there are there are definitely other apps that have done this before. But the the step where this goes a step further, which I like, is that if somebody sends you a Dropbox link, you get a preview. Mm-hmm. This will provide you with a preview of the file. Oh, uh, very cool. So that's really okay. cool too. So then you don't have to download yeah. this well, you don't have to go through like the the preview or anything like that. It's it's a it's a really cool cool extension. So Yeah. Yeah. I like. Um okay. One of my favorite websites, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, he's got an article called How to Be Someone People Love to Talk to. Yeah, I thought this was very good. Claire and I were looking at this. Yeah. <laughs> well first of all, the there's a uh some e cards uh, image to begin it that I, I always I always love the some e cards things and it's it's it says yes. I live in constant fear of accidentally mentioning something I only know about you because I've stalked you on the internet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like that's actually like a legitimate thing for a lot of people. So, um, okay. Well, anyway, one there were, there were several points in here as there always are, but the first one that I liked that I thought was really good was it says stop trying to impress. Okay, so it says, yes, we all want to get respect, but try too hard, and you can come off as a jerk. And now this is not about being, like, cocky or arrogant or anything like that, but it's basically there's a scale uh, with competence and likability. And in one corner, you've got a competent jerk, which is mostly avoided, and in the other corner, you've got a lovable fool, which is mildly wanted. And then the other two are incompetent jerk, so that's desperately avoided, and then lovable star, which is desperately wanted. And obviously we don't yeah. like to be lovable stars. So essentially it's like name-dropping doesn't work and trying to sound smart actually makes you look stupid. So a lot of that is just kind of like being yourself, I guess, being honest, but it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's kind of nice to see it laid out that way. Yeah, I'm putting that one in my less doing favorite category in Evernote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then another one was another one which is a which is a really tough one I find, but it's called it says emphasize similarity and this is not about like common interest, this is actually literally mimicking people's body language. 
And oh, it, yes. it has a yeah. very big effect, and I know it does. And it's a re- at least for me, this is a really hard thing to do without te- without making without it seeming obvious. You know, so uh, like if, if somebody, yeah. but th- this can be basic things. Like, so if somebody leans in, you lean in too. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody yeah. if somebody like has surprised eyes at something that they see, maybe you do that too. That's that's mm. actually a little bit easier, but. Like, because, for instance, like, and this makes sense, you know, if, if um, not that this is the nicest example, but, like, if somebody walks by and they're wearing something that's really weird or funny or whatever, and the person you're talking to, like, kind of raises their eyebrow and, like, haha, kind of look, and you give them a look, like, a look like, what are you talking about? That's going to make it really awkward, obviously. Even yes, if you, even exactly. if you don't want to, like, say something about the other person, it's still going to make it awkward. Whereas if you're like, haha, yeah, totally, then it, it, yeah. it sort of connects people on a, on a micro level. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought that the, the, the part about active listening where you, you summarize what they're saying um, yes. as they're saying it. So it shows that you're engaged and that you're you're paying attention to them. It's not just looking at them and then, you know, staring into the background, basically. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I really like this article and I'm, you know, I can be awkward in social situations. So <laughs> this is, um, this is something that really helps someone like me. Well, it, you know, that the, the mirroring or the, um, the summarizing act of listening thing reminded me too. You remember when we talked about, um, uh, oh yeah, how, how to sound smarter in a meeting. Remember this? You just said, mm-hmm. repeat, yes. repeat, yes. repeat, <laughs> repeat what the engineer said very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And oh, you, yeah. yeah. And you... I love the this. Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. Uh, well, one of the things in this article was, um, you know, smiling is important. Okay, that's obvious. But if you want to increase the power, you smile slowly. Yes, right. Now, obviously, that can come across as really creepy as well. But you get it right. Just let the sides of your lips just curl up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah. I got two more I want to tell you about. One is called sunlight, and I, I, I've almost gotten to the point where I'm I'm oh, not yeah. annoyed by people misspelling things on purpose because they think it's cool. Uh, so sunlight is a light. I don't think they do it because they think it's cool. I think they do it because all of these They're website addresses and products have have run out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I mean, in a few years' time, this is going to have two N's and three L's. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I love this, and I hate it at the same time. I hate that there's a need for something like this, but I completely love that this does exist now because it's really important. Basically, it is a wait, light wait, fixture. That's because that's because your apartment has floor to ceiling windows. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a nice thing. I, 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 I'm one of those people that it definitely gets affected when I lose like a connection to the outdoors. So, yeah. um, yes. Anyway, so it, it's a light fixture that changes color and brightness in sync with the outdoor sun. And, and you can control it with an app as well. But generally speaking, you're putting this inside and it will adjust to the whatever the sun is outside. So you, it, it's, it's supposed to be so good that it can fool the human body and also fool cameras, is what they were saying. So it's supposed to really, really mimic natural sunlight at different times of day. Now, is it, here's, here's my question. Will it... If it's like a cloudy day, is it not going to be very strong, or is it just trying to sort of provide sun at the same t- times that the sun is up? Uh, I mean? Yeah. So, what I, I think that it's it's basically mimicking a sunny day. Okay. Well, that's cool. So yeah. basically, if if let's say you live on like 
you know, you live in like a first floor apartment and it's very dark because, you know, you're surrounded by, your apartment is surrounded by skyscrapers, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a cloudy day outside and your apartment is very dark. This is going to, you know, regardless of the fact that it's so dark and cloudy and boring with rain outside, this is still going to provide sun, right? At, you know, coming up at like six o'clock or whenever time the sun rises, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really great. I like that. So, yeah, so it's really cool. And then uh, the last thing is, I I like the service. Did you look at this website, Meet Leon? Meet what? Leon. Um, Go on, I think I did, yes. Okay, it's very creepy looking, but it's, it's a good concept. So Meet Leon, you get this image of this just like... Oh, yes, this is the motivation, the motivation. Thing. Yeah, so this is claims it's your personal motivation coach. It's $4 a month. It basically... <laughs> funny. It's a really it's weird right. website, honestly, but it's a good idea. <laughs> Leon texts you in the morning to help you identify your most important to-dos, and then it provides you yeah. motivation and support throughout the workday, and then checks in with you each evening to see how your day went. And it, you look sort of like a sort of staring, cliche cult leader. Sort of. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is done something to... accountability of this kind is very, very powerful, and yeah. it, it's been proven to be such. So it, whether you're working on eating better, working out, losing weight, um, you know, just getting your to-dos done, this is a, this for a lot of people, accountability of this sort is is very, very useful. So it, for $4 a month, it's, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I would check this out, seriously. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get to the interview with Ryan. And I hope after listening to this, everybody has a craving for some of his food and wants to try it out. And if you click on the link in the show notes to go to Ryan's site and you use the code less doing, then you'll get uh, special access. So check out factor 75 after this interview with Ryan Rouse. And now for a feature interview. So now I'm speaking with Ryan Rouse, who is the founder of Factor 75, a food preparation delivery company based out of Chicago that is making some of the most tasty and nutritious meals I've ever had. So Ryan, thank you so much for being on the call with me. Thanks, Harry. Great to be here. So first of all, let's talk about you a little bit, how you know your background and sort of how you came to this idea. Yeah, sure. And and really, you know, I have to give credit where credit's due. The the idea itself came from, you know, uh my co founder Nick, who, you know, was a you know, started a job out of college, got into MMA fighting, actually, interestingly enough. So um really got into mixed martial arts and boxing and then and then started doing MMA at a professional level. And there's kind of two parts to to how the business started or the idea of the business started. There's the discovery. So for him, this is someone who's really fit, very physically fit, working out four or five hours a day, also working a full-time job, but uh, really physically fit. And body starts to break down, not really eating nutritiously because he really doesn't have to. You know, he feels like because of the amount that he works out, he's he's really fit and, and optimized it from that point. And uh, comes to nutrition through a coach of his who says you really have to start eating better you know that's the reason that you're you don't have the energy that you need and you're not really performing the way that you want to inside of the cage so he gets a personal chef and the difference he notices both inside and outside of the cage 
are tremendous, right? He's thinking clear. He has more energy. He's actually working out less, but performing better inside of the cage. And so that's the discovery where he says, wow, I mean, the impact nutrition has on all areas of life is, is more than he would have ever imagined. The problem then, which leads to the business, is he moves from Chicago to uh, Alabama um, with his regular job and had a personal chef in Chicago. When he gets to Alabama, that's the first thing that he tries to find, right? When you have had that type of service and when you're used to having someone prepare those types of food for you, and then you turn to not having it anymore, that's where the those bad decisions start to take place because sure. the convenience aspect of it's huge. So it was immediately at that point where he says, wow, the, the only really things out there are, are diet companies, right, that will prepare food for you or personal chef services, which, you know, true kind of someone coming into your house and preparing food for you, which is really expensive and just kind of intrusive in his mind. So that was the beginning of, of the start of the business. Okay, so that well, and but what about you though? What's your background? Sure, yeah. So my background, Nick and I, very good friends uh, throughout college, and for me, I got into financial services, um, into sales, and you know, knowing that always there was going to be at some point, I was going to kind of take my fate into my own hands. I always knew I wanted to get involved, start my own business, kind of try something out on my own. Um, very early on in the process, Nick starts the um, you know to to fill me in on the on his idea for the business. And for me, um, same type of situation where I've always been someone who's been pretty physically fit. Uh, I've never never paid attention truly to my nutrition up until the point at which I really started thinking about and getting a little bit older and said, okay, you know, now I need to think about nutrition and. Um, throughout my career, always very, very busy, kept an eye on, on my fitness level, but at a point at which I really needed to pay attention to what I was doing, you know, and what I was putting into my body versus what I was getting out of it. Um, the the combination of the two really came at a perfect time. He needed someone to help come on board to help start the business. I was just in the process of realizing, wow, like, look at the the, the difference that real nutrition makes. And I was going through my kind of self-discovery uh, and personal development as it pertains to nutrition. And so that combination, it, it became something that I was really, really passionate about because I understood then the impact that it had too. So kind of teamed up together and, and now here we are. Yeah. So th there's, you know, there's a couple of things I want to talk about mostly in this interview. One is the food, but the other one is the logistics because this is obviously a big logistical undertaking that you've done. But uh, let's talk about the food first. So we had the pleasure at the mastermind retreat last a uh, couple weeks ago of getting to try the food and you sent us a cornucopia of different menu items and the very very first thing that you notice is when you pick up the package because it's heavy yeah, yeah. <laughs> most die and I, I actually was i worked on one of the first company I, I did the web development for one of the first companies that was delivering zone perfect meals at the time and uh, nutrisystem like there's all those ones out there and they're paperweights, basically, sure. you know, whereas the, sure. the, the meals that you provide are substantial and they're not and they're filling. I mean, that's it's a that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of because of what came before us um, and there's going to be a lot that come after uh, that are doing similar types of concepts to what we're doing. But everything that people understood about getting food delivered to your home that was already prepared was in the diet space. 
and we can go on all day, both you and I, about you know diets not being synonymous with healthy, um, because the goal of the diet is really very different and built upon kind of uh, old fundamentals of the way we thought about food. But we're not that. We certainly have people who use our service who are on a diet, who their goals are to lose weight, and they can do that through our service. However, we wanted to go against everything that we had been brought up to believe about food being delivered to you, which was to your point, the food is small portion sizes. They don't taste very good. And and food should be enjoyed. You know, the only way people are really going to commit to kind of a lifestyle change around nutrition is if they can still enjoy the food, if they still get up at the end of their meal and they're they're full and they don't feel like they need to have another meal just after, you know, as dessert to their regular meal. So you know as well as I do, this is uh, the, the quality of the calories mean much more than the quantity to a certain point. So when you fill it with unprocessed, natural, clean types of ingredients, then you can raise that caloric level, and that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. So, and and then the 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 sort of nutritional guidelines you guys are following are are it's not strict paleo, right? But I mean, it is paleo. It is. There's a there's a paleo tilt. You know, I think yeah. we laugh at at the. Um, the kind of dogmatic nature, I think, of of paleo or zone or or even vegan types of diets. I think at the end of the day, the reason that paleo has become so popular is because it cuts out the 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 ingredients that tend to have a negative impact or that people's bodies tend to have an inflammatory response to. So naturally, I think most. Uh, diets, quote unquote, that you'll see now have a very big paleo influence because they're cutting out a lot of the, you know, the dairies and the grains and things like that. Right. And, and uh, I mean, going grain free, obviously going dairy free, it, all, it again requires sort of uh, inventiveness. And, and as I already said, the, the food that you provided was so, so good. So what, why don't you tell me just right now, like your top three favorite recipes that you guys produce? Because I've got some of my own opinions, but what are some yeah. of the, the like you know th- three ones that you think are just awesome bang out sure. of the park? Yeah, for sure, and and that goes a little bit to what of our philosophy was in the beginning as well, which was to have people understand. We we said from the beginning, if we don't understand what the name of the dish is, we don't want it on our menu, right? Uh, right, because it's got to be straightforward. These are we always say we're taking mom and grandma's cooking. We're just replacing the not as healthy ingredients with healthier ingredients so that at the end of the day, you have a meal that you're familiar with that you would otherwise eat anyway, but it's healthier, right? So uh, to that end, our number one bestseller that's, that's been from the beginning is our butternut squash lasagna. It's a fantastic dish, and it really plays into what our philosophy is. So you take lasagna. Everybody loves lasagna, right? So... They understand what it is, but how can you make lasagna healthier? So for us, instead of pasta, we use butternut squash as a layering agent. Um, instead of ground beef, although ground beef is a healthy ingredient if used correctly, we use lean ground turkey crumble inside of that, and then a preservative-free marinara. You know, there's a side of spinach on that. So exactly what we always wanted to do. This is a comfort-style dish. You've just really kind of taken and replaced it with better ingredients. So that's one of them. Again, really it's fun. also, it's the, the slice of lasagna is like the size of a brick. So, I mean, it's amazing. It's pretty surprising, Ari. When we look at, um, in the beginning, we had a little bit more strict parameters around what we wanted the calorie levels to be and the, the macronutrient levels. Uh, since then, we've, we've laxed it a little bit more just because we believe uh, people eating 
non-processed foods at the end of the day it will get the majority of the people where they need to be from a nutritional standpoint. But yeah. in the beginning, we were a little bit more strict, and it was hard. That that dish that you had was even larger because we had to get to a certain calorie level and a certain macronutrient level. And when you fill it with the right types of ingredients, you end up with you know really large portion sizes. So yeah, yeah it, it ends up being really really large. Um, a couple others that we that that I love uh, personally, we've got a bison burger. Uh, so just you know your traditional kind of. Uh, cheeseburger hamburger except we're using bison as the meat which really gamey lean uh, high quality meat uh, we don't use a bun in that uh, but we put it with a side of uh, of a mix of vegetables including eggplant zucchini red onions and we change those uh, those sides and those vegetables out seasonally uh, so another kind of very straightforward burger dish that everyone knows and loves. You're changing out the meat to a really high quality game meat, which is packed with nutrients. Um, you're taking out the bread altogether. And we put a side with cheese for those who do, you know, who don't use dairy free. Um, but so another great example of, of a dish that just tastes great, performs very, very well. And I just love. And then the third one is, is a pot roast. So we've got a mm. pot roast there. Um, again, a traditional comfort style, you know, middle of winter in Chicago type of dish that everyone would eat anyway, except we use grass-fed beef for the beef cubes. We're using sweet potatoes instead of a traditional white starch. We've got butternut squash in there, celery root. Um, there's, there's seasons like cumin, sea salt, of course. We've got carrots and a chicken stock. And so, the same type of idea where this is something you would really want to eat you would we, you would eat anyway we're just going to we're going to optimize the ingredients inside yeah and that's i mean that's the best way to do it so where are you delivering now sure so we just opened up the uh, there's seven parts of seven states that surround the state of Illinois um, we use FedEx for our deliveries outside of the city of Chicago and so we've got packaging that can that can last 48 hours, and so we, we can open up. We, we've opened up this one-day area, which is which is those states surrounding Illinois, and then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to open up the two-day area that FedEx can get through their ground service, and that's going to be the majority of the East Coast, uh, North and South, except for parts of Florida. Yeah, okay. So uh, by the time this publishes, people will be able to, in most of the uh, the eastern coast at least, will be able to try these amazing meals. So, But that brings me to the question of logistics, of course. So this is a huge logistical undertaking. So can you just tell us how that sort of come about? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, you're absolutely right. You know, I think there's there's two sides to that. For one, it's it's a pure ignorance thing. You know, you, you don't know what you're getting into. Uh, you can attest to this, and I can too. I've got two children under the age of two years old. I know you have three under three. Uh, until you go through this process, there's no way to describe it to anyone. So you've got these aspirations. We're going to start a business. We, we know what we're doing, and then you start it, and then it's not till after the fact that you realize, holy cow, there's, there's a lot involved in a business like this. So uh, the logistics itself, starting with the kitchen, uh, we, 
moved into, we went through a series of uh, shared kitchen spaces in the beginning, knowing that at some point we're going to have to get to a more scalable operation. So uh, over the course of the last two years, we've progressed into larger and larger shared kitchens and now are in a state-of-the-art 15,000 square foot commissary that's really built to spec for our type of business. So that's step one, really optimizing that and making sure that that's done correctly. And then the uh, second part of it is, oh, sorry about that in the background, Ari. No problem. The, the logistics of the, of, the, you know, of the delivery aspect of it. So in the, in the city of Chicago, we're using a courier service. And that courier service is, you know, we'll take them, deliver them to, to people's homes for us. We have a little bit more control at that point over who the, who the service provider is, who the delivery person is, and it makes it much easier for us to control that aspect of it. But clearly, you know, for a scalable solution outside of the city of Chicago is where we've got the, you know, FedEx doing it. And we've had to do a lot of work from the moment that we started with FedEx to really figure out the packaging. So this comes down to how long can a perishable good stay in transit and still keep Right, so a lot of testing, a lot of really tweaking of the types of insulation we're going to use, how long that insulation can last, what can you do inside of the container so that when it shows up at the customer's door, they're really we're delivering on our promise, which is the presentation's great. At the end of the day, this is food. People really, you know, they they are very particular about what they're putting inside of their body and what they're eating, and so the presentation has to be great at the at the customer's home. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that also struck me about the food was that it it doesn't look like it's mass prepared at all, even though it obviously is. But I mean, there there's obviously hands that are cutting those slices of lasagna. I mean, it's like the, it it looks very well presented and homemade. Yeah, thanks. We, it, that's another thing. We, we wanted to make sure that people understood that this is chef-crafted. We use that word, and we use it deliberately because of the, there are chefs, our chefs, who are preparing and putting a lot of thought and care into every meal that we prepare. So then, now another side of this, too, is, and, and I, I don't remember the exact conversation you and I were having, but you did some sort of food challenge, and you, know, you, ha- you recently had your second child, and you, you basically were saying that there's pretty much no way to do what you were trying to do unless somebody else is making your food for you. That's a million percent. You know, I think you, you and I talk a lot, and you talk a lot about you know, willpower and, and decision fatigue things along those lines. You know, I think that people end up or start out with very good intentions, but then life gets in the way, right? And at the when it's all said and done, there the world isn't making it easy to make great nutritional choices. Which is fine if if you work out of home, I work out of home quite a bit and so do you, I know, so it's easier in that regard, although it's still a time-consuming thing, but it's hard. It's hard to pull off. And so I did. I wanted to. I'd never really tested just you know a, a paleo diet, a thirty day, just just clean it all out, and and then from there really do some tests to figure out what my body really um, was turned off by, you know, what created some inflammation and what caused issues for me. So I did. I went through thirty days of of no dairy, no grains, no legumes, no alcohol, etc. And Without our service, and, and I would say, you know, whether you use Factor 75 or someone else's, it would be, I wouldn't have been able to pull it off with, with kids, a couple dogs, a business, and that can be work for anybody. There's just 
too many situations that you're put in where either you're starving and you don't have any food in front of you, so you're just forced to come up with the most convenient solution, or you go out to eat. You know, I only went out two or three times, I think, during that period of time. And he really requires a waiter at a restaurant that really knows his stuff. And then you also have to put a lot of trust into the communication between that waiter and the end chef. And if you're actually going to get what, what you were told you're going to get without the ingredients you're, you're you know, asking to be left out. Yeah, it's an excellent point. And, you know, well, so let's talk about affordability for a second here, too, because as you said, you know, private chefs are expensive and intrusive and all that stuff. So what price point can people expect for Factor 75 meals? Sure. So we've got a uh, standardized pricing. Every meal is $13.95. And then we've got a delivery fee of $4.95 at this time. Uh, We wanted to keep it straight. I think eventually we'll move into a little bit more of a tiered structure for pricing, but right now, very straightforward. And there's a couple layers to this. Most people who really are strict with their diet, I think they're used to paying some sort of premium, whether that's at Whole Foods or, you know, or getting meals delivered to them themselves. They have an issue, they are a problem that they need a solution for. And so they're okay paying a premium for it. I think for us, when we think about, especially in the world of, of what you talk ad nauseum about, which is, you know, really identifying those, those time sucks in your life so that you can be more effective with your time. Food, the average person spends almost two hours a day in some food related thought or execution. And so if you think about what the value of your time is, I would, I would pay well north of $13.95 for a, for an hour of my time and in this case, I'm also getting a meal out of it. So and put in that perspective, I think the value is tremendous. Well, and I mean, not only that, you, you look at uh, a lot of the, the ingredient delivery services like Blue Apron or HelloFresh and stuff like that. And they're, they're usually clocking around 10 or $11. And then you still have to make it yourself, which and I love those kinds of services for the right kind of person. But if you look at that as a price point, you know, 10 or $11 to then have to make it yourself versus, you know, thirteen ninety five ready to go. I, I think that's very, very reasonable. Totally. Well, and you also, if you think about where can you go now for lunch, just in the middle of the day, I think about all the places in my old job that I used to go and think I was eating healthy. Now, regardless of if I was eating healthy or not, take that aside, it's really hard to walk out of anywhere right now, even McDonald's or Burger King, uh, and pay less than $10 for, for lunch or dinner. Yeah, it's actually really funny. My my uh, sister and brother in law are really my sister in law and brother in law are really big fans of Panera, uh, just because they have young kids and it's just it's really convenient for them. And she was actually telling me that she she looked at it and Panera even is cheaper than McDonald's for much much better food. So it's funny. McDonald's is actually not the cheapest thing anymore, which is totally. good. Which is yeah, good. it's it's it, well, it's convenience, right? It, it, that's where we've moved now. If if you think about kind of the evolution of food, convenience became paramount when we were able to really process food and and make food in bulk. There's been a lot of really negative things that have come off of that, but at the end of the day, people continue to need the convenience aspect because we all have way too many things going on on a given day, and we really need things provided for us uh, quickly. Yeah, now, are you seeing people doing, like, they're, they're getting five lunches from you, or are there people that are doing, you know, three, three meals a day every day? Sure. It, it's mostly not three meals a day every day. You know, yeah. we actually advise against because... 
typically when you're trying to make wholesale changes to your diet, if you rip the entire Band-Aid off at first, you're going to have a lower level of success doing that. Sure. So the, the largest use case is, is someone like myself, really, that if I look at my week, this also requires planning, right? You're never going to get around spending some amount of time planning if you really want to eat uh, at, a, at a really healthy level. So I look at my week and say, if I know that I've got a couple of dinners, uh, either with my wife or with um, business related, and there's a couple of lunches here throughout the week too. So there's seven times uh, throughout this week that I'm going to be stuck without without something, that I'm going to have to figure out what my plan is here. So I'm going to order seven this week. Yeah. Okay. That's that. Well, that, uh, so that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing is, uh, if you get on a more of a high fat or, or you know a more paleo diet, you you probably should be able to skip breakfast at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's that's the other part of it. Is is I really I was a, a proponent before starting this and re- before doing a lot of research of that kind of small portion sizes eat uh, quite often. And for some people, that really is the way to go, depending on what your nutritional needs are. But now. As I've as I've discovered really high quality fat, you're absolutely right. You know, I personally I do a bulletproof coffee in the morning that gets me through up until lunch. So I'm really only eating you know of, of pure food two meals per day. Yeah, so which is great. So all right, Ryan, the last question that I always like to ask on the interviews is, and you can interpret this however you like, but what are your top three tips for people to be more effective? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so for me, the first is you really have to get real about what you want out of life. You know, I think without having an understanding of what success means to you, that's in terms of relationships, business, everything, you're not going to know how you can get there. And that will change over time. You know, at any given point, that may look different. But having an understanding at the current moment of what that is will make it much easier for you to make the tough decisions and filter out the things that uh, are non-essential towards getting you to that point. So that's number one for me. That's a great one. Uh, two is take care of yourself. You know, and, and, you know, my business aside, what my discovery process over the course of the last few years with nutrition has shown me that if you don't put yourself first, if you don't make yourself a priority, then you have no chance at being as effective as you want to be, right? If, if you're always running on a lack of sleep, if you're underhydrated, if you have chronic inflammation, then your mind and body aren't going to do the type of work you need it to do. It's, it's going to spend a lot of time getting you just to the baseline level of normal and not actually be able to help you get you know, to a level where you want to be to accomplish all of your dreams, right? Absolutely. And then the last one to me, which, which has been a process that you've really helped me out with, but is, is not to underestimate the power of deliberate thought. I think in your world, especially when you're really educating people on the idea of identifying what is important, what's essential to spend their time on, and then optimizing, automating, and outsourcing the rest, it can be pretty easy to then replace those tasks with other tasks that then need to be outsource, you know, optimized, automated, and outsourced, rather than taking that additional time that you have and really thinking, you know, uh, an hour, two hours, 30 minutes of deliberate thought can take the place of hours and hours and hours of, of just in the weeds work. Uh, those are wonderful. Those are actually pretty unique answers, actually, to that question. So thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, and uh, so where can people find out more and hopefully sign up and get some delicious food sent to them? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our URL is factor75.com, um, and there's places to leave your information at anywhere you want. You can, of course, email me directly as well. My email is ryan at factor75.com. And, uh, yeah, we'd love all the questions and comments and feedback that anyone would have for us. Great. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks so much, Ari. It's a pleasure, man. Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now, here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I've designed this event to make sure you do take action. Because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money, because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious, because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world? Or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you. Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my last doing certified coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event, you have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our Less Doing Certified Coaches in a free 45-minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of. Now, as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call, I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, Less Doing, More Living. Thanks for listening.